Hey guys, what's up? It is week 296, and I know the videos have been getting shorter. I've been busy with the holidays and everything. Lots of stuff going on, lots of changes in my life, or just a lot of stuff going on and everything like that. So uh, I guess we're just going to hop into the update or the reviews or whatever the hell we're doing right now. And the first one up is going to be from Arrow Films, and this is a double feature of Angela Mao. And uh, the first one we're going to talk about is Lady Worldwind, I believe from 1972. And uh, yeah, this one looks it's a pretty cool film. I'm not too familiar with i believe it's a fortune star flick you know it's either like one of the big two companies right like uh what was it golden harvest or or like shaw brothers one of these deals so lady whirlwind from 1972 follows the story of uh what was geez i just uh she basically it's a, the main character is looking for a um, i don't want to spoil it because it's kind of like a reveal she's looking for this guy who you supposedly think is dead and murdered in the very beginning so like you're following her looking around this town and there's a bunch of goons and villains and you actually start to think that she may be here to avenge him. But as a push comes to shove, you learn that um, there's another girl that uh, was that witnessed all the things and witnessed the murder. And it's a little bit more complicated than that. The back of the box kind of spoils it, but I'm pretty sure most of the people picking up Lady Whirlwind kind of know what's going on or know how it works and everything like that. So essentially, she learns you learn that she's basically out for revenge against this man who is also out for revenge. So it creates this weird, complicated kind of deal where she's waiting for him to complete his revenge because she has honor. And and uh, so she can basically take her revenge. But of course, you know, he has his hands full with the goons and everything. So she has to kind of partake in helping him. Uh, it, it's pretty complicated. It's, it's pretty good. I mean, it has a lot of good bad guys in your typical kind of martial arts kung fu movie. Uh, Chinese film of the time, Hong Kong film of the time. Where we have all these different kind of villains and bad guys that are set up well. Lots of good fights in like bars and stuff like that. And like restaurants. It's a really solid one. And you, not too often do you see like this badass of like a female kung Fu expert. You see it occasionally, you know. Some of the Shaw Brothers movies would have like one or two um, characters there, but the main focus being one is a little different, a little, you know, unique, and I thought that was a nice touch. As far as the special features are concerned on Lady Worldwind, we have a brand new 2K restoration from Fortune Star. Um, then we have the original Mandarin language and English dub, and we have reversible sleeve featuring newly commissioned artwork by Ian Sheedy. So um, that's basically, let me see. Sorry about that. We have a commentary by Frank Jin and Robert Bobby Samuels. Commentary by Frank Jen and Michael Worth, commentary by Sam Deegan. Um, Lady Whirlwind Speaks, the first part of a newly filmed interview with Angela Mao. Kung Fu Cooking, a newly filmed conversation with Mao's son, Thomas King. Alternate English credits, Hong Kong theatrical poster, plus U.S. theatrical trailer and radio spot. Image gallery, all that stuff. So lots of great stuff on the, the first disc of this. It's a double disc set, so they're not on the same one, which is really nice. But anyways, Lady Whirlwind, I did quite enjoy it. Um, I'm not sure which one I like better. Um, Samo Hung is in here, so that was a treat, and he plays a, he plays kind of a goon baddie. Um, the bad guy in this one is also a female, so it's kind of like a, a female-heavy kung fu film. So I, I would recommend checking this one out if you're into that. And the fight stuff is really great as well. Okay, so the second one in the set is Hapkido, also same director, I believe, of Lady Whirlwind, same stars, uh, actually has Samuel Hung in a bigger role here. So essentially this one basically is a period piece that takes place when... Uh, Japan, I believe it was, was like uh, kind of like taking over a lot of countries. So they took over uh, Korea and they're basically forcing Japan on Korea. And there's a group of Chinese students that are in Korea and they're learning Hapkido, which is a Korean kind of martial arts. So they leave uh, Korea because they end up killing a couple of, like Japanese people that are bad, some in a pretty cool fights in the very beginning. 
due to Sammo Hung's uh, temper, and he's the temper guy in here. So essentially they go to China, and they learn that Japan is kind of muscling in on China as well, and there's a whole big village of you know schools and martial arts schools, which is very typical in kung fu films. You have multiple schools, and there's going to be a school versus school dynamic going on here. So that's kind of what unfolds, and at first they try to be respectful and kind of blend in and just teach Hapkido to people and, and heal wounds and everything. But the Japanese people are tyrants here, the Japanese martial arts school, and they're just awful. And there's some real brutal scenes where they're like in this like uh you know open like this wet market and they're just like beating the crap out of people and taking their stuff and it comes to a, a top when uh, one of the baddies dumps like hot oil on this poor woman and Sammo Hung has had enough. So you see what I mean? Basically, it's like these three teachers of Hapkido, Hapkido that have to face off against the Japanese you know martial artists, but the Japanese always have tricks up their sleeves. They call in goons. And they have actually some really tough guys. But this one's entertaining as well. Of course, Angela Mao is the leader of the group and she's the toughest and she's the last one standing while the other ones are either hurt or or you know put out of commission seriously um yeah this is a really fun one i actually think i prefer hapkido i think it's a little bit more memorable i think that you know samo honkai has a great character in here and i just like his mixed martial arts style because he's a big guy and you don't typically see a big guy move like that and the way he uses his body is always very effective so as far as the special features are concerned we have three options of english dub so you have the vintage kung fu the, and the Hopkido dubs in a lossless motto, plus 2006 DVD dub in 5.1 surround. Commentary by Frank Jen and Robert Bobby Samuels. Commentary by Frank Jen and Michael Worth. Lady Kung Fu Speaks. The second part of the newly filmed interview with Angela Mao. Archival interviews with Angela Mao, Carter Wong, and Sammo Hong, and Wen Bian. Uh, original vintage featurette showing Jang Hai Jae teaching the lead actress Hapkido, newly restored in 2K by Fortune Star. These alternative, uh, three alternate opening credit sequences, Texas English and U.S., Hong Kong theatrical trailer, plus U.S. theatrical trailer and TV spot. So it's a really nice release. Um, it's quite enjoyable. Like I said, good bad guys. You know, all these like Kung Fu or martial arts movies are very similar from the 70s. They have great bad guys, good uh, choreographed fighting, uh, training montages, you know. And, and one of the training montages is in one of these movies i believe it is lady whirlwind comes really late it's like they're like we need 20 more minutes and like so they introduce this old character to teach this guy and you're just like that that's probably a little late to come in there but anyways it's a great release from arrow these are two movies that i wasn't super familiar with so it's nice to see them in a remastered edition if you like kung fu flicks or anything like that i think you guys will enjoy these Okay, the next one here is from Mondo Macabro, and this is a haunted Turkish bathhouse. That is a mouthful from 1975, and this is a Japanese film. Um, is this an Akatsu? It's very much an Akatsu film, I believe. Sorry about that. So, yeah, it's a Toei, actually, which is kind of surprising because uh, it's very explicit. So, essentially what we have here is, uh, again, a period piece. This one's, I think it is a period piece. It has to be, right? Um, it's kind of hard to tell sometimes. But anyways, what we have here, um, you know, it might not be because you have Yakuza and stuff like that. Hard to tell. Well, that's, that's kind of a lot of these old Japanese films. You're like, is this a period piece? What period time is this? Yada, yada, yada. Because some of the, like, sets and, like, not sets, but, like, houses and stuff look a little older than you normally would think. So, essentially what we have here is this woman marries this, uh, love, loves this guy. They get married. Everything is great until a group of gangsters breaks in and starts beating him saying he owes x amount of money she decides to um basically she basically was a prostitute before but now they banished prostitution and they kind of moved everything into bathhouses and you get massages basically still the sex acts and everything like that and she's walked away from that life but after her husband has his trouble she has to step into the life and that's when you realize that her husband is actually an awful awful piece of crap and it doesn't end there and it gets to ridiculous levels as you can tell we have some hauntings going on but it's unique because it is a haunting movie about revenge beyond the grave. We incorporate a cat, which is very 
similar in a lot of Japanese kind of horror films or Hong Kong or Taiwan if you've never seen them I know from 1980 I watched a bunch where they incorporated like a cat in there um, and the hauntings and everything and if you go back you have uh, Kiraniko the Japanese one so there's like a cat element to a lot of these you know I believe Kiraniko is the one with the cat element a lot of these kind of Japanese or Asian ghost stories so essentially what happens is you know you learn that these people that are running this Turkish bathhouse are absolutely horrible and you know what they did is they kind of gave somebody an Edgar Allan Poe one of the main characters treatments you know you know the cost of money auto deal um, so, so there's a lot of stuff going on here and a lot of the movie is you know somebody looking for revenge and kind of staking the whole area out but there's tons of sex scenes there's tons of nudity there's tons of soapy sexy bath time uh, there's a lot of double crossing there's a lot of shady dealings and of course at the very end it does not disappoint it does turn into a haunted Turkish bathhouse it's exactly what happens it gets pretty pretty over the top pretty crazy lots of really good imagery at the very end of the film lots of bonkers imagery really cool stuff um, as far as the special features are concerned we have you know brand new 2k restoration but we also have interview with Patrick um, Messias author of Tokyo Scope the Japanese cult film companion introduction to Toei horror films by Patrick Amasius um, uh, audio commentary from Sam Deegan that's always great trailer exclusive new cover art from Justin Coffey optional subtitles Mondo Macabre preview yeah this one does get gory and gets a little wild at the very end but it has a lot more sex and more sexy time than I expected you know at a small short runtime of 82 minutes that it does take a little long to like kind of build up the ghost story here you know so anyways I would recommend a haunted Turkish bathhouse um, this one's pretty good 1975 is a strong year you know a cool year unique year especially for Japanese cinema it seems so yeah check this one out good stuff now we're going to hop into a couple 2022 movies, kind of the last uh, hurrah. You know, this Friday we shoot our top 10 of 2022 on the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror. And this is, let me say if I can say this, uh, basically Lux, uh, Lux and Tierna. Um, and this is a Gaspar Noe movie. It's 51 minutes long. And this was put out by Yellow Veil Pictures. This is the second movie um, that Gaspar Noe had released in the States. This was made a few years back, but I don't think it got a United States release until this year. So Lux Atira. This is on Shutter if you're interested. Now it's listed as a horror film. And you know how Gaspar Noe's films are horror films. They are and they aren't. You know, think Climax. Think Irreversible. Um, Irreversible, you know, it has that element. And they all seem to be like these borderline cult films. And, you know, they have the weird shooting technique the disturbing kind of crazy split screens at times and just the nauseating sound mixes and and a repetition and colors and patterns and lights and strobes that's very much what he's known for to make you uncomfortable physically and with the story inside itself so this one basically um in the beginning they're watching um this they show the scene of you know witch burning in this classic film and they said that she was up there for two hours while they were making it and this is kind of like a look behind the scenes of a film about witch burning or if it's not film it's very bizarre and it starts to kind of familiar character um, you know like genre actresses it has uh who are, who are their names uh um the one who's in all the Lars von Trier films and then Patrice uh Dolly um who's in stuff like Trouble Every Day and uh she's in a lot of French films she's got the big gap between her tooth I mean she's very memorable both the actresses in here are two like of those like stunning people that like are very very um fearless actresses and they always do a really strong job um so seeing both of them in here help big time there's also a couple familiar faces the guy from um Watcher was in this he's also in Gaspar Noe's Love he's in a couple of Gaspar Noe's movies he's in this one as well and so basically what we have here is just the ultimate set you know I guess it's saying filmmaking is hell filmmaking is a mo it's just a mess but also at the very end it can create something beautiful or something hypnotic or whatever it is you know so essentially what we have here is Patrice is an actress and she is directing this film she's directing the other Charlotte uh, actress what the fuck is her last name um 
Uh, sorry about that. Um, geez, uh, I have to look at her name. It's going to drive me crazy. Um, Charlotte Gainsborough. Sorry, I have from uh, from Nymphomaniac and you know Antichrist and all those stuff. Great actress. I didn't want to mess it up. I love it. it. Says thank God I'm an atheist on here. Who said that? Benuel. I know uh, one of those famous you know French or Italian directors that I can't remember who. Thank God I'm an atheist. But essentially, what we have here is just this completely. Um, maybe he directed the original film. This is based on or whatever. You know, it probably would make a lot of sense. I probably should watch this supplemental. Material, but you know what? Sometimes you're a jackass, um, and it happens, right? Or maybe Pasolini said it. Don't know. Anyways, uh, I, I've been really slacking lately because of time constraints, but I wanted to squeeze this one in. So essentially, what happens is the ultimate chaos on a set. Uh, the director is losing control of herself and losing control of the film, while the DP is doing whatever they want, while the producer is threatening to fire everyone, while we have people, journalists sneaking on the set, running around trying to ask people questions, other people trying to cast their film, whether act, other actresses and bit actresses and stand-ins, and everything things going wrong the lighting is freaking out and turning this weird hypnotic craziness everybody's having panic attacks somebody's trying to call home and something happened poor it's just insane it's intense there's a lot of conversation there's a lot of arguing and to top it off we go straight split screen so you're seeing two different angles sometimes of the same scene and then sometimes we'll see that character leave the frame so it's very disorienting and that's kind of the whole thing it's going for is this kind of recreation of disorienting stress and insanity and you know basically making a film can turn into a horrible crazy weird wild vivid experience or it creates something beautiful you know it's it's you know i imagine gaspar Noe's going for something like that and it's a it's a really interesting cool looking beautiful film with great sound design and it's of course shot well i mean and the camera works impeccable and weird and just ex exactly what you'd expect from something from Gaspar Noe. But yeah, this is pretty cool. I don't know if I'd call it a horror film. It's definitely genre. It's definitely, you know, going on the list of films that I watch considered for considered for top 10 of 2022. Um, I mean, like as far as like, I really thought it was good and interesting and weird enough to be included in a, a watch list. I don't know if I would put it in my list or any of my top 10. But yeah, anyways, it's a nice release from uh, Yellow Veil Pictures. It looked really solid and you can watch it on Shutter if you would like. Okay, the next one up. Not necessarily a horror movie, but horror adjacent. And this is Violent Night, um, starring the lead guy from Frig David Harbour. Uh, from you know, he's in Stranger Things. He's in the new Hellboy, and directed by uh, Tommy Warlonka, who directed Dead Snow, Dead Snow Two, uh, um, Hansel and Gretel, Witchfinders, and even The Trip from last year. All four are really fun, good films. You know what? I'm starting to think, I don't think this guy's made a bad movie, to be honest. All his movies have been entertaining for me or very enjoyable. So, Violent Night is no different. Essentially, it's Santa Claus and Die Hard. You know, what if Santa Claus was real? Sorry, kids. And what, I mean, alive and delivering presents, I should say. And what if, essentially, he was in a house that terrorists were invading and he had to stop them. Um, what's really cool about Violent Night is it's direct, it's written and made by people that love action movies and know what they're doing with action. I think Josh Miller was one of the writers on here. He has a he's on a podcast. He wrote like the Sonic stuff. He's really really smart with this kind of stuff and had a lot of interesting things to say. I've heard him on a couple podcasts talk about this movie. So um, him and his writing partner did this. I can't remember his writing partner's name. Sam? Sam? Is it Sam? I can't remember. So anyways, um, this movie here, Violent Night, it's just a lot of fun. It opens up kind of. It has like, of course, people are saying it has the good women christmas feel but it also has like the hardened action and it just never loses its tone you know it's kind of kind of silly but also kind of action paced and violent so it's in the, it's a hard thing to do hard mixture to do but it, it works i think really well so david harbour is santa claus he's getting sick of everything you know the the grind of delivering gift cards and money for everybody and just eating stale cookies and you know he's become an alcoholic santa claus this might be the last year that christmas is here 
So basically, he is delivering to an ultra-rich family who are kind of like, you know, ungrateful. A lot of them are, you know, they have like the typical Krampus, you know, a dysfunctional family, but they're super brilliantly rich. Think ready or not family or something like that. So basically, the mother, the, the matriarch of the family is Beverly D'Angelo. Obviously, you know, Christmas Vacation, the vacation movies. So it's a nice, nice touch to put her in that position. And uh, the young daughter seems to be, the, the granddaughter of her seems to be like the only one that's actually any decent in this family, to be honest. So John Leguizamo is a terrorist and he hates Christmas, of course. So he, him and his like international group of terrorists, they definitely follow the diehard pattern. So like they pick all these terrorists out who all are, you know, like super unique and they look like unique looks and they all have unique personalities and they all stand out and all have their crazy little Christmas names and everything like that, which is always a great touch. You don't want nameless bad guys. So all the baddies basically are here and they all invade there and invade and kill all the security and everything in violent ways. And it's up to Santa Claus, the last man standing to save this family and save Christmas and learn what the Christmas spirit is again. So there's a lot of nice touches. Of course, there's shout outs to home alone. How could there not be? And you know, like I said, the action is good. The bad guys are good. There's these great fight scenes and they, the thing I like the best about the fight scenes is they incorporate this set with them. So like if you're fighting in like a Christmas, when you're a Christmas tree, somebody's going to get an ornament broke on their head. Somebody's flying through the Christmas tree. Somebody's getting strangled with the lights. They just do that stuff really well. They definitely make it very Christmassy in its action and violence. And that's very fun. Violent Night is a blast. It's, it's a really entertaining movie. I think most people will enjoy it. I think most people will get a smile and get a kick out of it. Very easy watch. Very entertaining stuff. Violent Night. Okay. The last 2020 the last 2020, 2022 movie that I'll be covering is The Menu. That's right. I had to check this one out. There was trailers everywhere. And, you know, I was getting tired of seeing the trailer, but it had Ray Fiennes in it, John Leguizamo again, you know, Anna Taylor-Joy. So Nichols Holt has a great cast. Seems fun. And, you know, I've, I've heard this pop up on some top ten lists, rightfully so. It's really good. little kind of darkly comedic. I would say horror film. Uh, more dark comedy than horror Um after but uh basically all these people are invited to this elite dinner and uh nichols holt brings uh anna taylor joy with him and basically they're going here and he's obsessed with this cook this cook has like a, a cult personality um it's an isolated island there's just surrounded by dicks here john Leguizamo is a as an awful actor that he based off steven seagal apparently he has a date and there's three like kind of like business jerks there that are younger and there's an old man and his wife and it's just a very bizarre situation and and they start to serve the food and Nicholas Holt is like this obsessed foodie he knows everything and he's so into it and so annoying and so weird and like as it progresses you're like he is acting so strange and a lot of these people are acting strange but as the movie goes on you learn exactly what's happening and it all fits now a lot of people said they thought this was going to turn into a cannibal film because there's a lot of cannibals this year bones and all fresh uh, other things like that but this one is different and it's fun, you know, and uh, I've heard people talk about it on uh, after this movie, but I also saw some things about it too. The very ending with the final dish served or the final food, well, one of the final foods served, is it's just very obvious, you know, like it, it's not obvious in a bad way. It's just telling you essentially sometimes, you know, all the fancy stuff is not what the people really want or really need. Sometimes they just need something simple. Sometimes they just need, you know, something garbage to fill their mind and just relax and have fun, to not take it so seriously, to just enjoy 
something for once in your fucking life. Just enjoy it. Don't overanalyze it. But this movie is very funny in the fact that it does kind of overanalyze it or it has fun with the over kind of analyzing and, and like I would say like uh, metaphors and stuff like that when they're talking about just the food dishes and they pop up and they explain every course and then every once in a while they get a little cheeky with it and they'll say something else in there, you know, uh, or, or they'll say what's in the gift bags. It's just very funny in that aspect. And the characters are funny and the dialogue is strong and Ray Fiennes is so good in this. He just seems completely unhinged in the best way and the funniest way and uh, his speeches are great and when the people start to realize something's wrong their interactions with each other it's well shot it's well it's it, there's no complaints about it it's just one of the most well-made funny films of the year and it's got something to say but it also has something to say at the end too which kind of i don't want to say negates it but proves what it's doing you know it's having fun with the subject matter and then at the very end it kind of it shows you who what 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 they're kind of getting at in a one way in a lot of ways. And some people compared this to I think it was after this movie they compared it to the film industry how how you could you know the director said but I see that but you can compare it to anything and and I see just the generalization at the very end is just a smart way to do it. Uh, I'm not generalization but just you know the simplicity of what is served is just like yeah that makes a lot of sense and and it, it just. It's kind of the perfect thing to happen. Anyways, I would really recommend checking this one out. There's some really great moments with John Glazeama, such a douchebag, and uh, there's kind of a—I don't want to spoil anything, like I said, because it's a relatively new film, but very entertaining, very funny. Uh, you know, a movie about elitists that we don't like, of course, that's very common. You know, burn, eat the rich kind of story. Everybody hates rich people now, and of course, most of them suck. So most people suck, and rich people. A lot of them are going to suck too, even more so. But anyways, the menu, I'd really recommend checking this out. It's on HBO Max and whatnot, or the Hulu HBO Max thing. Or you can buy it, I think, in the mid-January or rent it for like $20 and the third or something like that. Um, this, I think, what is it? Today is technically the fifth, so yeah, um, you can rent it the third. So, the menu. Okay, next I'm going to do the Patreon pick, and I believe this is from 2010-2011. It's a Scandinavian film. I always say Scandinavian because I'm never sure if it's Norwegian or Swedish. I believe it's Norwegian. And this is Headhunters. Now, I didn't really know anything about this one, and just by the cover, I was like, oh, this is an assassin movie. This is kind of like a, a really crazy, nasty, like, hitman movie and gory. And I was kind of getting that vibe, but it's completely different. Basically, we open up, and there's this guy who's like, I'm five foot five, and he basically explains what he's doing. He's stealing this art and, and switching them and then, like, selling them. He has this elaborate plan. And you're like, oh, that's interesting. But he actually works for like a security firm so he can sneak into these places. And you start to learn his MO. And, and you know, he has a, a wife that he adores, but at the same time, he's terrified of her and he's, he's cheating on her and all this kind of thing. And uh, one day, you know, he's, he's planning his next heist and all these things. And he's interested in this guy who used to work for another security company. And he's looking, the way he does it is he acts like he's doing a vetting process to hire somebody, but then he's really getting intel on them so he can rob them. So, but this guy is a little bit more than he bargained for. This guy might have some tricks up his sleeves as well, you know, where he used to work and what he used to do uh, before he did this and during he did this. So it becomes this crazy cat and mouse game involving murder and criminals and just intensity and double crossing. And it gets really intense. There's some really crazy set pieces, one of which involves a semi truck and a mountain. Um, one of which, um, you know, I, and I, the way it unfolds is very intelligent. The script is smart. The acting is really solid. And, you know, I think that most of the characters are interesting enough in here too. Although the lead character 
character's not exactly a likable guy. Uh, by the end of it, you start to root for him a bit, and I, I did enjoy that. But anyways, I thought it was really well done. I thought it came together well. I know it's a very short review, but the more I talk about it, the more I will spoil it. But there's even some funny bits about it, and there's like a good point of predictability of how this guy predicted other people's how they would act and you know what i mean he said he couldn't always predict exactly what but i can predict what other people were going to do or whatever you rely on what other people were going to do it's just smart and it's clever and it comes together really well at the end i would really recommend checking out headhunters um i don't think anybody would really be disappointed with it like the violence is strong when it's there the action is intense and it has like comedy beats i would say a bit here and there but yeah it, it's a good film and it, it's completely wild so headhunters check it out okay guys let's get in these questions comments concerns all that good stuff so, um, Ken Coakley, I was lucky enough to meet Ruggiero Diodato at the Rock and Shock convention in Worcester, Massachusetts. His table's next to David Hess's table, so I totally geeked out. A friend, Mike uh, Baranos, worked at the Diodato's, Diodato's table. My uh, Barnas, um, I know that Baranos, I can't, I know the name, sounds familiar, I think he read books, made the documentary Para Lucio Falci Remembered. There we go. Mike, um, what does it say? Mike, Ruggiero, and I talked for a while. Ruggiero was really cool despite Robert Kerman's opinion otherwise. I went to all the rock and stock conventions, and the most fun I had was the three-year time frame when the Italians came. My best friend lived in Italy, and she told me about greeters outside restaurants. Then at the different rock and shock, um, Octavano del Aqua uh, acted like the greeter at Al Cleaver's, te- Al Cleaver's table. That is the lead poster zombie. He comes from a long line of stuntmen. Um, they all look alike. They're all stuntmen. In zombie, so that's the guy he's referring to. The three of, and oh, I'll Cleaver, Cliver, however you say it, is the actor in zombie. Um, the three of us talked for hours. I never met an Italian actor, director, film composer that wasn't really nice. Liam, 89th. I remember watching your videos back in 2008. Happy to see you're still making them. Thank you. Uh, Milo, 169. Had piggy and spine and night on my radar, but I wasn't 100% about them. Now I'm going to check them out ASAP. For sure, check them out. They're good. Thank you very much for the reviews. No problem. Nick Moore, happy 2023. I hope the year's off to a good start for you and yours. I appreciate you're still here doing this week after week in these crazy times. Much respect. Another good news, Second Sight is releasing George A. Romero's Martin on Blu-ray and 4K. Pre-ordered it, of course. He says, questions. Which 2022 film were you very stoked but disappointed you in the end? Um, the remake of Hell, or the reboot of Hellraiser. It's not bad. Just not what I was looking for. My own problem. Still doesn't mean I I was disappointed. I can't help my feelings. Anything in 2023 that you'll die or kill uh, for to see? Not necessarily, um, to be honest. I mean, there's probably a couple I'd like to see. I'd like to see Maxine, um, the third in the Ty West trilogy. Uh, what's your favorite Stephen Lang performance? For me, it's either Freddie Lowndes in Manhunter or Fred Paris in VFW. It's got to be Ike Clanton in Tombstone. Law just don't go around here, Law Dog. Heard you the first time. Winner of the King, $500. Shut up, Ike. Uh, Ike Clanton, man. He's great at that movie. Uh, he's like, I got no gun. I got no gun. Uh, yeah, he, he's really good in that movie. I'm the one who got cheated. He's just a perfect buffoon. He's brilliant. Underrated performance too. I mean, there's just tombstone such it's, it's tons of great performances. Val Kilmer, Kurt Russell, Sam Elliott, Bill Paxton, Powers Booth, Michael Bean, Stephen Lang, Thomas Hayden Church, Billy Bob Thornton, Terrence Stamp. Everybody is in that movie. Everybody. Charlton has been. Just even for a second. I mean, it, it's a brilliant movie. It, it, I, not Terrence Stamp. Terry, Terry O'Quinn. My bad. Terrence Stamp is in Young Guns. And Terry O'Quinn is in Young Guns. And Tombstone. There we go. But Terry O'Quinn, I mean, just a small role there. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Paul Ben Victor's in the movie. Everybody is in that freaking movie. And they're all great in it um they're all wonderful 
Uh, Jason Bovey, uh, love Spine of Night. It really reminded me of animated flicks I saw in the 70s and 80s. By the way, have you seen Exnordium? It's an animated short on YouTube made by the same filmmaker that uses some of the same story elements from Spine of Night. No, I have not. I'll have to check it out. Sherlock Horror, Happy New Year, Mr. P. Happy New Year to you as well. Ilk Vomit, I was looking forward so much to Spine of the Night. I really wanted to love it, but it was very mediocre to me. See, I ate it up. I heard mixed things, but I, I, I ate it up completely. Uh, when will the Shaw Scope Volume 2 set start to be featured? I'm not sure if I'm going to go through the whole set. I want to but i just time constraints a couple will pop up i gotta watch boxers omen so uh you know what guys let's hop into that update oh you know what guys shoot me your top 10 horror films or genre films of 2022 and i'll make you guys a list out of everybody's list and compare it to mine when i do it so what is your favorite 2022 horror films you can do one you can do five you can do 10 no more than 10 i'll put i'll rank them and i'll each point you know number one gets 10 points please rank them for me number 10 gets one point and i'll, I'll rank them all for you so Let's hop into that update. All right, let's hop into this update. First up is Action Mutante. This finally showed up from Severn Films. Not finally. It was actually pretty quick. Thought it'd be later. It's a 4K uh, directed by Alex de la Iglesia, who did stuff like, you know, Day of the Beast and Witchin' and Bitchin'. Great director. I've actually never seen this. This is his first film. It's supposed to be pretty wild stuff. First really uh, American release of the movie, but very cool stuff. Action Mutante. Yep. Severed's been doing really well lately. Very impressed with their output and films. Um, then we have some partner label stuff I picked up at the end of the year before my subscription, you know, my yearly subscription here ended. The Corn Snucker, Shucker, and this is from the VHS Shitfest or whatever the label is. New, newer label from them. This looked super bizarre. I hear it's like uh, SOV David Lynch or some shit or Racerhead. I don't know. Sounds super bizarre. Looks super bizarre. Had to grab it. But I could get it on sale. We have Blood Hunter. It's another one from VHS Shipfest. He's taking a bite out of crime. Another SOV. Looks super bizarre and super weird. Um, these, this label, I think, is going to be one of the weirder ones. At first, I was like, ah, I didn't grab the first two. I miss slipcovers. I don't really care that much, but I'm just glad to have the releases. Good price on them, too. And then we have a Satan's Imagere. And this is supposed to be really freaking weird. Also, VHS Shitfest, Sea Vampires, Demons, Ghouls, and Satan himself. A horror film suitable only for adults. Ooh, we got monsters and whatnot. And I saw, I heard Brian um, Sauer talk about this on his podcast, Just the Disc, and it sounded really fucking weird. Yeah, this looks like a weird movie. Um, and I think there's a bonus film on here, too. A whole new bonus film. So that's very cool. I think there is, yeah, a short film. So this looks really weird. I guess it's like a universal horror style with gore. Sign me up, right? And then this, these movies look super weird from Agfa. It's Fuck the Devil and Fuck the Devil 2, Return of the Fucker. Such classy names here. Now, like, these look so weird. I don't, I, I was so iffy. I, I sat on these a while. I was like, do I want to order these? These look like low-budget backyard do-it-yourself fucking German splatter, Polish splatter, whatever the fuck. But I decided to go ahead and grab them. I don't know. I don't fucking know. They look super weird. You know, Eggfa Bleeding Skull, man, they release the weirdest shit sometimes. Just so, so off the wall. And last, from Yellow Veil Pictures, Faults. Heard lots of great things about Faults, so I finally picked it up. Not seen this one yet. Um, heard good things, and I know it was a Patreon pick, so eventually I'll draw it out and watch Faults. But yeah, um, let's hop back to the video. All right, guys, thank you very much for watching, and as always, have a good one. Yeah.